This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? BFM 89.9, 9.35am, you are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Mark Tan. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly roundup show of the top stories this week and other news tidbits you may have missed. Now, uh, my friends, it's 9.35am. It's T-minus two and a half hours until the general sale opens for Taylor Swift's concerts in Singapore next year. Just a PSA for all you Swifties out there, I hope your fingers are on that mouse button getting ready to start clicking. If you weren't already a UOB or Citibank <laughs> customer, I think they had special access to the sale yesterday, right? There was a pre-sale on Wednesday and I think over 1.5 million people stood in the virtual queue to get tickets. Uh, tickets were sold out in three hours, so... I also heard in Singapore, people queued overnight at their post office, I think, because they had some tickets for sale too. So, I, I'm, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. I, I'm, at least I know who she is and I know some <laughs> of the lyrics and I think she's very cool. Uh, but I'm just shocked by the frenzy over it. Pretty much. It is. It has been a, a pretty much a frenzy, right? And this is on the back of the fact that she extended her uh, concert uh, dates in Singapore to six nights. She's performing six times. Not coming here, though. Yeah, not coming here. You know, and, and this goes back to how Singapore is effectively promoting their tourism, where they've targeted 12 million tourists to arrive this year, and they're all expected to spend anything from 18 to $21 billion in Singapore, which is a great amount of money for the tourism sector. Now, joining this bandwagon, Thailand is also targeting $30 million to go into the country and you can see the hopefully soon to be Prime Minister Peter Lim Jonathan tweeting that asking Taylor Swift to come over to his country. That's right. Uh, he actually um, sent out a tweet, I think it was yesterday, saying, Hey Taylor, big fan of yours. By the way, Thailand is back on track to be fully democratic after you had to cancel last time due to the coup. Um, and he says that he looks forward to welcoming her back to their beautiful nation. Interesting there. Uh, he is the uh, Premier hopeful, as you mentioned, Mark. And I think on the 13th of July, Thai Parliament will be voting on the next Prime Minister of the country. I love the way he signs off. Do come, off, do come and I'll be singing Lavender Haze with you. I'm, I'm like, okay, must be his favourite song then, I guess. <laughs> so do you think Anwar Ibrahim will tread for, tweet, uh, for Taylor Swift to come here? Uh-huh. Possible? <laughs> Maybe not? <laughs> I see. I see that was a reference to um, the Thread app that Meta launched yesterday. I don't know. What do you call a thread? Yeah, a thread, a thread message. We have a tweet on Twitter. I, which- tweet, I tweeted... You know? No, but what do you call a tread? Like, is it treaded? Tread T? Treading? We'll find out. I'm sure somebody will come up with something. But yeah, would our Prime Minister actually send out a message like this? Well, I I just would like to see more concert acts in Malaysia from a business perspective because the multiplier effect from all these concerts is never to be underestimated, right? People come here, they spend three, four days, they book nice hotels, they spend money in the shopping complexes, they eat, they shop... Hey, why not make concerts a desti like almost like part of tourism Malaysia? I mean, there are definite benefits to uh, bringing those foreign acts to the country. Although I, I do also recall Sweden's economy and how Beyonce concerts uh, actually bumped up inflation for that month. So I suppose you could argue that that's something uh, to consider as well. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Uh, but having some concerts is better than none at all. Well, 
we we have one night of Coldplay. We do, we and do. Some That's nights of Jackie Chung. Something to look forward to in any case. But uh, turning to our next story, let's play a game of Where's Waldo? But let's substitute Waldo with the Wagner Group chief, Yevgeny Prigozhin. So if we recall two weeks ago, Wagner Group and Prigozhin were all over the news for the aborted coup against the military establishment in Russia. Prigozhin was reportedly exiled to Belarus as part of a settlement with the Kremlin. But is he still there? Correct. Uh, Lukashenko doesn't seem to know where he is and suspected he's gone to Russia. And that's quite interesting because it... You know, isn't he a wanted man by Putin? Lukashenko, it seems like he's your friend. Yeah, Mark Lukashenko okay, is, of course, Alexander Lukashenko, uh, the president of Belarus, who was the one who supposedly, uh, what do you call that, brokered moderated, the, brokered this deal. deal. Um, but uh, he himself does not know where the whereabouts of Yevgeny Prigozhin are. Maybe Mark does have him on his speed dial on his handphone and has been calling him, hey, where's, where's, where's Prigozhin? Okay, so what we do know is reporters have been tracking uh, Prigozhin's private jet. And that is probably indicative of where he is. And over the last two weeks, that jet has been flying between Belarus and Russia, not more, more than one time. And it is currently now in Russia. So apparently he might be in St. Petersburg, but no one has really seen him. I mean, we have seen how sympathizers within the military or those allegedly to be sympathetic to Prigozhin and the Wagner Group, there has been a crackdown on them. There was uh, the uh, military general, Sergei Surokovin, who was supposedly uh, detained, um, and we don't know where he is. Uh, but again, I think the repercussions of this aborted coup will mm. continue to play out in the days and weeks ahead for Russia. And already we see that there has been some kind of impact on the economy with the Russian ruble also hitting a 15-month low in the aftermath. Okay, what's interesting is, remember, we rewind. The Wagner Group forces were offered contracts with the Soviet army. The Russian the army. Russian. Soviet, sorry, that's a different era altogether. <laughs> that's way, way back in time. Uh, and that deadline actually passed on July 1st. And apparently, very, very few of the Wagner Group uh, signed up to join the Russian army. And I think I heard this podcast by the BBC where they pretended, well, they acknowledged that uh, they called up some of the Wagner recruitment agencies in Russia and they were still hiring. So what's happening? Is the Wagner group dismantled or is it still going on ahead? Which, of course, few speculation in terms of all the conspiracy theories out there as to whether Pogoshin was just doing this as part of Putin's grand plan to distract the Russians from what was happening in the Ukraine uh, crisis. And bear in mind, apparently those who monitor Russian press say that the, the weekend events two weeks ago, there's hardly any news of it on Russian media, which is rather strange considering it was, it was quite a huge incident. It was a huge incident that captivated the rest of the world most certainly. So I think um, there's still a lot to watch on this front. And don't forget that we've had analysts who say that nothing really happens in Russia without President Putin's tacit approval. Yeah. So what does this all mean, really? Your guess is as good as is mine. Is Prigozhin running away, like hiding from windows and like be careful, you know, is he careful with what tea he drinks? We don't know. Well, uh, I think we can take a look at what's happening on um, tennis courts, perhaps. Now, as the summer season kicks into gear and high temperature records continue to be broken in different parts of the world, we're also seeing climate protesters becoming more bold in calling for urgent change in the global consumption of fossil fuels. Correct. So do these protests work? And what is the actual aim of this kind of disruption at public events, notably recently at the Wimbledon courts, right? So you had two uh, protesters, you know, stopping all 
barging into the courts, but it didn't get the kind of effect they wanted because they were booed off by the spectators that just wanted to watch a tennis game. Now, probably the guys watching tennis aren't exactly very green, although the tennis court is green in colour, but ultimately, is, is your message getting through to the people for just the Stop Oil movement? Right. So the Just Stop Oil movement, uh, they are calling for the UK government to end all new oil and gas exploration, and they have promised not to let up in its protests until it does so. They're also the ones who are behind the uh, chucking of tomato soup on priceless works of art in museums. That's what they did as well. So really, they're, they are trying to get public attention through these very bold and controversial actions in the hopes that people will start to, I guess, re- get more aware about, about about the issue at hand. I mean, protests happening on Wimbledon is nothing new. It's just the the the, the theme of the protest changes over time, right? I remember there was even streaking in the past. Uh, but mm. on some level, to me, the protests, I mean, you can you can decide, okay, is this the right forum or not? But it does. It does achieve some... Uh, it gets attention. Yeah. People and, are talking about it. And before this, I had never heard of this organisation, right? And it, it, it does work to some level, but is it disruptive? A little bit. Is it going to irritate fans? A little bit. But hey, maybe we do need to know about these global issues. I'm just going to add on to a headline coming out of Sweden where Greta Thunberg, the climate activist, has been charged for blockading uh, an oil port back in June. So she's going to be charged in court in July for refusing to leave um, oil tankers at a port in Malmo. Um, She and other compatriots who were there are expected to um, be charged and she could face a six-month prison sentence or a fine. Um, So I think we are seeing more types of these protests come up. And I am curious to see how uh, Malaysia, whether we'll actually see these kinds of protests here. Maybe, maybe not. We're not, uh, I feel like these very bold actions are probably not so um, in tune with, I suppose, uh, uh, our, our, our sensibilities, perhaps. Yeah. We do street protests, yes. but we don't do protests like this that are no. shock of shock value. Yeah. I mean, just look at some of the protests that happened, birthday protests like years ago, right? We had how many rounds of it and the number of Malaysians that, go, that went on the streets was rather amazing. Mass demonstrations, Mass demonstrations of public buy-in. But I guess I'm wondering how we it will play out in our country because we are a fossil fuel. We rely on fossil fuels for our economic growth, right? And there is this growing tension, um, even larger, between whether fossil fuels, about reducing fossil fuels to tackle climate change. So mm-hmm. I am really curious about the kind of balance that um, our country needs to navigate in order to show that uh, while we have these fossil fuels, we also need to take climate change action to show that we're reducing um, our carbon emissions. So that's something to keep in mind. I suppose the equivalent of Wimbledon lawn tennis would be our Malaysian Badminton Association. Don't give ideas, Mark. Please don't give ideas. Well, it's 9.46am. We're going to head into some messages and uh, we'll come back with a look at uh, other stories coming from our local front this week. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. 9.47am. You're listening to WTF or What's the Focus on the Morning Run where we take a look at the top stories of this week and maybe some news tidbits that you may have missed. I'm Shazana with Xiaoning and Mark. Now, a story that we're turning our attention to this morning is a coming out of the High Court involving Grab and uh, MyCC, which is the Malaysia Competition Commission. The High Court has granted an application made by Grab to overturn a decision by the MyCC imposing a proposed fine of 86.8 million ringgit on Grab's Malaysian business. The fine was alleged to be a result of Grab abusing its dominant position by restricting its drivers from promoting other e-hailing platforms. 
Now, Judge Datuk Wan Ahmad Farid Mansali ruled that MyCC's decision to announce the proposed fine was marred by procedural impropriety and a breach of natural justice. The court therefore granted the Saturo application to quash the decision. Okay, so basically there was no evidence, I'm reading the edge, by MyCC, no evidence by MyCC took steps to investigate Radzwan's can uh, complain. Uh, in essence, Grab also claimed that it was never given the right to be heard in the case and so alleged no proper investigation took place for the proposed fine to be made. And this is what the judge uh, said. Um, so, I am curious about what's going to happen next because this decision indicates that there were some uh, procedural improprieties mm. on the part of the MyCC in carrying out these investigations. Yeah, I think that was the crux of the uh, appeal against this MyCC decision. The court has now agreed with them. Is MyCC going to appeal this decision up to another court or will it take this on and maybe do some reforms on its end? I, I'd be curious to see what happens next. Okay, so it's also important to note that the judge found that there was nothing wrong with MyCC's role of being the investigator, prosecutor and adjudicator in matters concerning competition, law and regulations. But it may result in MyCC having to complete all its investigations first and only announce its final decision from now on as opposed to a preliminary investigation, a proposed decision first, which may now be subject to challenge. All right. So really, it uh, may lengthen the process, I suppose. But even this case, I mean, it came up in 2019. It's now 2023. It does uh, it does show that there's delays in the process mm. as well. It takes a while for uh, these kinds of things to be resolved. And whether, it's fo- whether this is the end of the road for this case, I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm sure Grab is heaving a sigh of relief that 86 million ringgit worth of fines has taken off its plate. Well, not really when when you look at the total revenue that Grab uh, year-to-date so far already achieved US 1.73 billion US. So I guess... What's 86 million you say? Ringgit? (laughs) Albeit the company isn't profitable yet, so I guess every little bit helps. All right. Well, the next story on our docket. Over the past week, there have been reminders on the dire state of retirement savings in the country. EPF CEO Datuk Sri Amir Hamza Azizan this week said that only 18% of EPF account holders reached the basic savings of 240,000 ringgit by 55 years old. So I think that also led to some announcements of EPF exploring different uh, measures to maybe help alleviate that. Uh, I think they're looking at um, something like uh, giving it annuity. Right. So in 2022 last year, more than 7,000 EPF members had voluntarily adopted the monthly payout ratio, as you were saying, Shaz. So the monthly drawdown is where a member can choose to redraw a portion on a lump sum basis, as per the practice today, and then keep another sum for annual purposes. Because what the EPF is saying is that the average life expectancy right now has gone up to 75 years old. And I think this is to stop people from basically spending splurging their time splurging right? on holidays outside the country. And in I think previous statistics was in 18 months, you've exhausted all your EPF savings. So the idea is to try and avoid that situation. But sticking to uh, retirement uh, spending and saving, there was also news coming out uh, for pensioners. There was a rather seminal case that was decided in the federal court. Yeah, okay. So what has happened was, um, well, if you, you've got to rewind a little bit in terms of what happened. So the government came up with a new new act with regards to the pension scheme for those who are retired and gave a flat increment of 2%. So some pensioners 
got together and sued the government saying that this was not fair. It was different from what was promised to them and the original scheme was that the increment they would get would be the increment that current incumbents get. So 2% is, is like a flat rate versus the possibility of a floating rate uh, which the government practiced. So the federal court has in turn ruled in these retiree favour saying no, 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 when you make any changes, either either has to be the same or offer uh, retirees, pensioners, excuse me, a better scheme. And this was not the case. So this begs the question in terms of how much does the government actually have to pay back to all these retirees that are impacted by this change in the act? And we're talking about this because yesterday, Prime Minister Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim said the government is coming up with a mechanism to protect the pensioners in response to this federal court decision, which actually came out on the 27th of June. Uh, but we are, we I think we need to see what the impact of that decision is and how the government is going to navigate mm. uh, this new terrain that has been set or what based on what the federal court has decided. Okay, I have no clue what the sums are going to be like, but bear in mind, this is 10 years of back pay to pensioners due to the federal court's decision. And the Prime Minister has acknowledged it. He says that he will deal with it, he will respect the decision of the federal court, and that they are looking at a mechanism to protect pensioners. I'm just curious what kind of quantum we are looking at. 10 years of back pay can be quite significant and does it come with interest, for example? Things that uh, we will be keeping an eye out in the headlines in the days to come. Uh, but maybe let's quickly wrap up with a uh, opinion piece that was uh, submitted to Malaysia Kini recently. And this is over the um, furor of what uh, certain politicians have been saying about uh, our federal constitution and also its um, pronouncements on um, race and religion and racial harmony, essentially. So the Malaysian bar has come out to say that um, they continue to emphasize there's no such thing as others or outsiders in our federal constitution. The fanning of hateful sentiments by our former PM incites hostility towards groups unreasonably deemed as outsiders or others, of which there's absolutely no basis. The point is, we have politicians who then choose to stir up this kind of rhetoric, especially as, you know, when, it's, when it suits them or when the timing is right and it was, you know, we are heading into state elections, right? So, and it's also the question of, do you want to then pick and choose what's in our federal constitution to suit your argument? As we know, every document must be read holistically in its entirety. That's right. I'm sure you can find certain things to just suit your point of view if you really want to. But that's not the purpose of our constitution or if any major document, right? And I'm just curious, you know, we get so many comments where, you know, don't do this 3R thing and I'm all for it. Okay, but is does the government really clamp down or is that selective clamping down on people who when they do it? I think that's a very fair point to ask indeed. And I do think that we as the public should not tolerate any of these toxic narratives as well and also be aware of when they come up, right? We have the state elections coming up. This is really the opportune time for parties to weaponize these kinds of rhetoric. But uh, hey, I think uh, we know better, right? Uh, 9.55 in the morning, we're going to head into the 9, uh, 10 a.m. news bulletin. That's pretty much all the time we have on WTF or What's the Focus this morning. After the news bulletin, we're going to hand over the baton to Enterprise. Thanks for staying tuned and happy weekend, everyone. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.